Welcome to the City Center Podcast from West Palm Beach, Florida. I'm Jerry Marcello. It can be said that culture can shape the character of a community. Specifically, public art can serve as a signature of a city like West Palm Beach, standing as icons of the city's character and conscience. Art can also inspire those who live here, creating pride and highlighting the cultural diversity of our community. The city is active in the development of great public art through its Art Life WPB program. And joining me today is Sibile Welter, Director of Arts, Culture, and Community Building for the City of West Palm Beach. Sibile, welcome. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Why does public art matter so much when it comes to communities, heart and soul? I think without art, art, you need art for culture. It builds culture. You know, any city that doesn't have art and culture is a dead city, and that is definitely not the case with the city of West Palm Beach. We have a rich, rich history of cultural institutions, and they're anchored by public art throughout the city and throughout the neighborhoods, and that is a key component of how the growth of this city, but also the liveliness and the richness um, and the health of the community stand. So really, it's sort of uh, like a city signature to a certain degree, oh, who we are and what we're about. It's a visual language. I mean, public art becomes the visual language for a city, and um, it most certainly does for the city of West Palm Beach. If you look out, you have any everywhere from international, national, local, regional artists, different mediums, and that's a visual language that we as a city are pre- presenting ourselves, uh, hmm. presenting others, I'm sorry, presenting yeah. to others. You describe it as a language. I mean, do the residents understand the language, do you think? Or? I think a lot of them do. I yeah. think there's a deep appreciation. Um, you know, as in anything in life, you have things that you gravitate towards and others that you don't. But for the most part, I would say everyone gravitates to something. There's something that really um, just gets to them, whether it's their heart, their soul, their mind, whatever that can be, because everyone has a different experience with art. So through the, the, the history of Art Life program, uh, you had all sorts of artists, some absolutely worldwide renowned, and some that are local. Tell us a little bit about the, that wide spectrum that you've had work here. So, what, one of the, so I work with a committee, an Art Life committee, and one of the main objectives is to make sure that we have not only equitable distribution of art throughout the city, but that equity is also throughout the artists. So we are presenting to the city, not only its residents and visitors, a wide array of artists and mediums in different stages and careers. And the best way to do that is to really bring in the top you know, iconic artists, mid-career artists, regional artists and and uh, emerging artists. Emerging artists play a really important role, especially with temporary projects um, where you get to play around a little bit more. And then you move into spaces that need something more foundational and permanent. So you start working with artists who have that under their art practice. So it just gives a, it's just a great way to say, you know, we, love all artists of whether you are right beginning 
or you're at the top of your game and you've had um, major retrospectives throughout the museums. So you give opportunities to even the very earliest artists, people who are just learning the craft. Yes, we have a local artist initiatives um, that we started actually. We have been working with the local artists from since 2015. I think we have now 68 local artist commissions that uh, Art Life has mm -hmm. provided, which is a tremendous amount if you do your math. Right. Um, and one of the things that's come out of actually came out of the pandemic was a local artist initiative called the Commons. So during that time, while everybody was shutting down, the public spaces were opening up, and it was an, a tremendous opportunity to bring the um, creative sector into looking at our common spaces and looking at their art practice, and then bring merging those two different concepts together. So. We've continued the Commons project, but it allows local artists who have not had an opportunity to be in the public realm to go out of their studio practice and into the public. Mm. Now, you mentioned the Commons, and that flashes me back to the pandemic that yes. we've just gone. That, tell me about a project that you had where you really tied the current events of the day, the, the, the pandemic, into the art that was being displayed here in West Palm. Well, that, that happened, I think, with the initial commons project. It was 15 artists, 15 spaces. Mm -hmm. So these 15 local artists were given a different local throughout the city. They got to choose their common space, their public space. And some of them created pieces um, where they were either long-term, and I mean temporary long-term being under 12 months, and some were just one-day events. And what all of them did was try to bring community together. So how do you make those connections? Because remember in the pandemic, everyone was feeling very isolated and it was only in our public spaces that we could start to make connections with one another again in a safe environment. And so a lot of these artists did that and it was just, it was so well received and the artists had, were so appreciative and everybody was like, wow, this is great that we've continued it. So now every other year we put out the commons. Interesting. Now, is have there been other examples of art that you can remember that was tied into a cultural event or something that was happening? So what uh, are you saying? Are you asking like more like how these pieces come about? Well, yeah. I mean, what 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 inspired them, perhaps? So that kind of leads into how or the artists are selected. So right. it's very project based, or it's ve or very much based on what is happening within a certain area. So one that I'm very excited about, and it's going to be tremendous, is an artist for Heart and Soul Park. It's the second um, part of the public art that's um, going to be implemented there. And it's Nikisha Durrett. And she is, her work is in production. And so come October, it'll be ready. December for sure. We're celebrating this piece. It's Genius Loci. It's called The Spirit of a Place. And this really, this particular large-scale sculpture talks about that community specifically. You know, she talks about how she's celebrating the land and its people, very specific to that, to that very, um, that district, the Northwest Historic District. Right. And she really took her time meeting people, researching. She was very process-oriented, research-based. So that's a very different way um, to approach art. 
versus um, a piece that was brought in through the Percent for Art funding program, which is the private sector comes in. And so we have this a tremendous piece by Yinka Shanabari, and he has uh, he has created this gorgeous piece called Materials SG2. SG means second generation, just for those who don't know. <laughs> and um, that in itself, that's his practice. And so it was more about a conversation of which of his pieces that he could create that would fit the plaza public open space because it's fully publicly accessible on Rosemary and Fern Street mm -hmm. and how that would how that would sort of enliven that public space so a really different approach but two tremendous artists working um, working within their practice but approaching the public space in a very different way you touched on something earlier regarding permanent versus temporary um, art. Tell, uh, tell us how we define that. How do you make a project a temporary piece for a certain amount of time as opposed to something that's going to be there forever? <laughs> well, I don't know. Forever is a long, long time. So... <laughs> um, so well, how long has the fish over on, on oh, flag? He's, oh, that fish's been there for a long time. You're that right. Fish has been there a long time, <laughs> right. spinning around in the wind. Yes, <laughs> yes, you are right. But seriously. Um, so, yes, that's Mark Fuller. Yes, uh, he, <laughs> and yeah, his piece has been around and, his, and it's endured, which is great. Actually, yeah. it was, if I recall, it was actually renovated at one point and freshened yes. up. Yes, it was. So does it happen often with the art that we've done? Sometimes we go, we, we have, I have a conservation, um, that cons it's just year round. Right. So all the artwork gets touched. Some of it just gets, you know, maintained and other things have to be completely rehauled and gotcha. redone. But, but um, we digress. Yes. Anyway, so going back. So if it's tied to a major project or building, it's usually going to be a very permanent piece. And then it's very context-oriented in what happens. The great thing about temporary work, which is usually under 18 months, and it could be a day, is that there's more of a, you can experiment more, you can take a higher risk, because it is just temporary. So an artist is, you know, it, it's not about success or failure, it's about like, hmm, well, I tried this and it sort of worked. I think if I go back, I would do X, Y, and Z to tighten it. Because temporary really is about going into a space that you're not particularly familiar with, taking your art practice to another level, because now you're going into the public realm, and sort of um, taking risks, playing around, seeing what works, what doesn't, and then it goes away. The thing about Temporary work that I don't think people realize is, even though it went away, it, it did exist. And so it already changed something. And so that's what I love about temporary works. Hmm. It existed to a point that changed that context, that area, people's idea of that area, how they interact with that area, irregardless if it, it, if it already is gone. So, and then you look at that space with new eyes. And you're like, oh, you know, maybe this will work instead. How do people react when a piece of public art 
descends and is installed in their neighborhood? Are they positive? Do the, does it yes. What? Yes. So the neighborhood projects are really great. The neighborhood projects, you really get into the community. They're very different from downtown. Downtown has so many different audiences. You don't, I mean, who is your audience? You can't define your audience necessarily. But in community projects, they're very defined. So you go in there, you work with them, and every piece that has been uh, installed in a neighborhood thus far has been absolutely embraced. And it's great. It's just great to see. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sullivan Park is one, I probably one that you, I can tell you, it was so embraced by the children there and the neighborhoods. And this is a resi very residential neighborhood. This is, there's no community centers involved. There's, you know, people aren't like coming through and it's just a stunning piece in this neighborhood. It really raises a sense of value and worth in the neighborhood. Yes, and, yes, and they've taken ownership of it because it's theirs and it is theirs. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, let's go back to basics. Okay, so tell us the process for the selection or of either artists and their ideas, how does it we start go from an idea to a to a finalized installed bit of art? So each project is so different, but let's say a large project, right? Mm -hmm. You start you start the committee may, determines how they want to go about it. So I'm going to I'm going to go through the permanent side. So the committee says, okay, why don't we identify several artists and look at their art practice? And when you look at their art practice, you're really analyzing their practice. Does this make sense for this project? Does their art practice, will it relate to the context? Do, will they be able to, um, if necessary, do community engagement? Because um, when you go into neighborhoods, right? How does it all, and so, they do an extensive review, extensive research, and then those artists, if let's say three of them are selected, they come up with proposals given the parameters of that project. And from there, more discussion is made. So what happens is the artist gets commissioned or an artist gets selected right away. And then that artist starts the conversation early on about the context. And when I say context, I mean, we're part of the city. Who who comes there? Like, what are the other buildings? What are the other things that are happening around that area? And as they research and they start to develop more and they start to understand more and they use their art practice, the artwork starts be, to become informed. I mean, it's just an organic process. You start putting that all together and... Next thing you know, you know, that creative intelligence starts happening and they propose something that you're like, yes, that's great. But part of the catalyst is understanding the people and the environment around where the artist is. Absolutely. In the public realm, you have to. And it's very different from a studio practice. So this is one of the, I, one of the reasons that Art Life always puts out temporary projects because people, artists should have an understanding that you're going into a very different domain. You're in, you're in your studio practice, it's very specific. When you go into the public realm, you don't know your audience. You don't know what, you know, the elements, and I mean the elements of nature, especially in South Florida. And, and so you have to look at your work in a very different way. And I, you know, I always say, you know, you need a little courage when you go out to, into the public realm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's exciting, but it's not, you know, it's not easy how 
any perception of ease is is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> I mean, they really they know they they need. You know, I always tell any artist who wants to go in the public realm, I'm like that. That's it's amazing and it's courageous. The question that I get often is. Is all the art that we see, say, in the downtown area of West Palm Beach, is that all under, you know, this program, oh, or is there private art? There's private art too. So it's a beautiful mix of the private sector um, and the public sector. So anyone, and it doesn't even have to. A lot of it doesn't go through Art Life. So if you own a building and you'd like to put a mural up there, you just need a permit. Huh. You know, and so it's a it's a great mix, and I'm working on a a map, a GIS map that shows the location of all the art, and I've started to include the private sector as well. See, that takes me right to the next question. Obviously, we got a ton of art that's yeah. available for, for for people to see. Is there a exactly exactly that a map or a guide of some sort so people can go see the stuff so we i'm working on so through the city's website you yeah. can go on to um the art installations it's a work in progress so it's constantly updated it's you know if someone sees something that sh should should be there i know i always tell people i'm like just send me a quick note yeah um and so i've started to in integrate the private sector's artwork as much as i can because I would love for that map to show everything that the city has mm -hmm. so that people understand like the richness, that it's just not the public sector that's doing it, but the private sector has been tremendous in providing art to the public. So and because I'm familiar with the website, I, I would assume that the, the URL people would be interested is going to be wpb.org front slash art life. Correct. That will take you to the section with all this information that you just described. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Um, one of the things I always love to do during the podcast is sort of have a sort of open mic time. This imagine that you have your mat your magic megaphone and you're able to talk to folks all over the city about what you do with art life. Uh, what would you say to them? Hmm. What would I say to them with my giant <laughs> megaphone? Um, when you look at art, don't make assumptions. Just be open. Be open, let the experience just happen. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whatever it is, let's let the experience happen. You know, you, sometimes it takes several visits when you start to sink in what the artist's intent was. And the artist has an intent. Um, and how you, uh, you as the viewer experience it is completely personal because you come at any piece with your own ideas, with your own your own kind of day. I don't, you know, maybe you had a like great day, and you're like, "This is the best piece I've ever seen," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or or vice versa. But I um, I really encourage people to when they're looking, put the assumptions down and just experience it with and see what happens. That's fantastic. Sabila, you, thank you for being here. Oh, Obviously, sure. your effort is part of the glue of our community. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, the art is colorful. It is uh, uniquely ours and a uh, signature of the community. And you guys are doing great, great work. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, I have to say, I really love what I do. <laughs> <laughs> the City Center podcast is produced by the City of West Palm Beach. We hope you found today's discussion useful. And if you did, please subscribe. 
If you have any questions or comments, please write us at podcast at wpb.org. If you wish to learn more about what the city resource, what city resources are available when it comes to public art, visit the city's website at wpb.org front slash art life. This is Jerry Marcello. We'll see you next time.